Yes, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, a show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. I've got another guest on and I'm excited to interview Kimberly Bell because Kimberly is a woman who is on the same mission as I am to make this world a better place. And she is going out there and speaking out loud, actually shouting it from the rooftops that we need to talk about the problems in our society, the intergenerational trauma, the bias that is out there, the problems with regards to domestic abuse of violence. Um, she is trying to give women specifically and, and, and those that have not yet found their voice, she tries to give them a voice and tries to empower them to live a life away from shame, guilt, trauma, all that, but tries to help them to transform into powerful beings, which can help themselves and others around them to live a better life. So this is a beautiful mission. And I'm dead excited. Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on to my show. Thank you for having me. It's been a it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. Absolute, oh, an absolute pleasure on my side. I mean, <laughs> how you don't wake up one day when you're six or seven years old and say, "Hey, you know what, mummy? I gonna be a a you know defender of women. I gonna go out there and make the world a better place for women." Absolutely. Six year old. Tell me, who did you want to be when you were a child? <sighs> I believe through my educator, the first educator that I had, by the time I got to um, the end of the course of the elementary school years, I wanted to be a teacher because she had impacted my life so much. So I said, I, I, yeah, I wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Was that because this educator showed you love? Why was, what impressed you so much on this educator? She um, gave me hope and she saw hope. She did not look like me. She was di different, um, uh, different. Uh, um, we're African-Americans, of course, but uh, she was not the, the same race. And um, I believe she wasn't even affiliated with the religion that my family was. They were very religious, my adoptive family. And um, she didn't in the 70s, didn't even really knew my background of them being my adoptive family. But I had had tests ran through um, kindergarten to first grade that had diagnosed me mild retardation. But really, I was going through PTSD. Uh -huh. So um, with the mild retardation that had me transferred to her room where I had spent six years with this resource educator. And um, she had said to my parents, she believed that um, I should be seen. And when they wouldn't embrace it, um, she, within that week, she, she looked at me and she said, and that was the first time I've ever heard anyone say that to me that stuck with me through the six years with her is that I was a special child. She said, you're a special child and I'm not going to give up on you. Beautiful. And she, and she, uh, she stayed and I stayed with her. I read a, read the same book for six years. I couldn't remember. I could not retain memory. I, I just, you could, I could get to a certain number. Like for instance, I give you an example from one to 18 and I would stop to 18. And then the very next day I couldn't pass through 18. I would go to 14 maybe or 25, but 
I, I, it had to be repetitive. And for six years, I had one book called The Izzy that I read with her every, almost every day. And um, at miraculously, sixth grade, um, I prayed uh, a childlike prayer. And um, I prayed to this God, God that my adopted dad used to, I used to hear him pray to. And I used the words of, I just didn't want to be different. I, I went, I experienced the bullying and the, and, and that, um, and that time with um, the kids wasn't so kind of knowing that I was, I was being taken in her classroom um, instead of their classroom and only engaging with them during um, recess because it wasn't integrated at that time like it is now. So uh, with, with special support. So when I would go outside to recess, that was one of the eras, not everyone, but few that was not as kind would say, call me the little retarded, little retarded brown girl, brown skin girl, you know, so um, I got to a place where, um, because I had um, formed this silence that I felt like my voice didn't matter because of the things that I had went through prior. Um, eventually, I let it go on for a while. Eventually, I told this, the same educator that um, I didn't want to go out, out to recess, that they were um, picking on me. And she said, um, you know, without going into detail, she said, would you like to be my helper? And I said, sure. And so I ended up, you know, for the, the remainder of those recesses until um, I got out, was I, I was her helper and was able just to go whenever I wanted to go. So that pulled the pressure. But I never, I never, never told my parents about the bully until I was grown. I told the educator. Yeah. What a beautiful woman. What yes. a beautiful angel that mm -hmm. was sent into your life there. It, that, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> the angel. Periodically different angels will come into <laughs> your life. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Right. Sometimes right. In, in, in many lives, <laughs> that's what I've written exactly in my book, My Steps to Sobriety. Uh, sometimes those angels, they don't smell so good when they first come into your mm -hmm. life and they maybe don't look so good. So good. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> they, they are. are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So there was, from the word go, a, a bias against you. Was it equally amongst you? Uh, from your parents down towards you did your parents think you were you were a good child or did they think you were to use your word a retard no my adopted parents knew but they were they were in the generational era they were absolutely older where uh my adoptive father only had a third grade education and um they were in that generational era that education wasn't and um, our ancestors on the forefront as a priority. You get married. It was more of religion. Um, uh, you accept Jesus as your savior. You depend on him wholeheartedly um, to, to take you wherever you want to go. Um, and any problems or anything that you have, you what goes on in the home stays in the home and you uh, give it to Jesus. Everything you give to Jesus uh, to, to, <laughs> to fix, you know? So um, 
they uh, and and you know as you you asked me that, that I can re- recall a couple of things and and they and I really believe that she wasn't saying those things to intentionally hurt me but this is all that she knew and from what they knew they passed down to me and so I remember her saying one of our tub bath times and I'm just getting adjusted because these are new people I I was taken away you know I was up until five I stayed with my biological parents so I'm now you know trying to adjust with a a new family and during our our tub bath times I remember her saying you are a timid frail it was just a description of me you're timid and you're so frail and um you know, um, of course, you know, some positive was, was I was always a sweet child. Um, eventually, because she didn't know my adopted mother didn't know how to really address and wasn't educated or wasn't trained from taking a child at five years old that knew her biological parents, she would say, you're not loving you're an unloving child. You, you're hard to love because I wasn't giving her what she wanted. So that kind of put a seed in my mind and my behavior of then what can I do and how can I be more loving till I lost myself? I was giving and giving and giving when I was created as a loving human being. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 But you're describing the typical behavior of a child that has been abused. Uh, yes. And, a know, traumatic experience. Yes. And had been separated and uh, had experienced a loss beyond my control of two parents that were supposed to have been protecting me, supposed to have been loving me, and then kept my older sister, which was two years older than me, and never reunited. So, yeah. Oh, dear. (laughs) And what a brutal story. But a story that is so common out there. Yes, yes. But, I mean, you you now know the trauma that you have gone through. At that time, you you don't know. You can't compare. This is normal. This is something that is happening to you. And you're struggling and you're, you're making things up. No one teaches you how to do. Right. You wouldn't. You didn't have counseling. I assume no. it is no. that was in the seventies, eighties. Mm-hmm. No one gave a mm-hmm. damn about those kind of things. Right. No. No. And uh, and I and I described a lot of it during the time when I look back at that five or six year old. Is I was so confused. Yeah. So confused. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, and then then again, to a degree, there was this angel at school who mm-hmm. nurtured you and mm-hmm. who was there for you. Often enough, when that happens, actually, whilst whilst your brain still struggles with the trauma, it is not uncommon that then children actually become very good at school um, because that's yes. that's where they really focus upon. Did that change happen to you? Did it there- absolutely did. Did those blockages disappear? Yes. I told you, I I said that prayer (laughs) and at sixth grade, but it was a consistent, it was a work of miraculous prayer, 
that healing touch. And also, as you said, that, that angel that consistently stayed with me and con continued to plant that seed of love and hope. And regardless of I'm a different child, I'm a different race, I felt it. I knew that she was there every day that I went to school, whether my parents, whether I was confused, like you said, and trying to adjust, and I was trying to wing a lot, um, getting um, introduced to the extended family of theirs. Um, I, I was their only child, so together. So I was the younger one there with this older generational era parents that was very religious, very structured in their religion. And um, she, you know, that consistency. When I said that prayer at sixth grade and went to seventh grade, I tested out, was on honor roll, seventh and eighth grade, just like you would have to go back and look at the report, which had said mild retardation would not read or write effectively in her life. <laughs> but it just shows the trauma. It just yes. shows yes. the trauma at an early yes. stage. Yes, 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 right. My goodness. And we know that, I mean, there are, if you look at, at, young children in refugee camps who have mm -hmm. gone through very traumatic warlike situations or or internal displacement uh you see their artwork and it is absolutely atrocious often they are nonverbal. They, they they don't really they don't know what to do and it's just their mind protects them and right. often enough completely guards and disguises the trauma and pushes mm -hmm. it to the side. Uh, Absolutely. Wow, wow, yes. wow, wow. And it's so common out there. It's it's yes. scary when you look at the at the the figures for childhood abuse, sexual, mm -hmm. emotional, and physical. They are horrendous. Absolutely yes. horrendous. Right. And whoever is listening now to or watching this video. Because it doesn't matter in which society you are, in which part of the world you're living. Uh, unfortunately, we as a society are failing our children and we are failing our women um, or sometimes our men. Uh, we are failing our men just as much. But we will come to that. There is there is so much where we can actually maybe just change one little core belief. And out of that, maybe something else will change and something else will change. Wow, what a background. But now you, you've, you've found the fire. Now you were learning. And uh, I, I know it from myself. I was, I was uh, initially labeled as not very clever. And I would probably do a menial job, handyman, not handyman, more and more. I would never go to, to university kind of a thing. That was mm -hmm. my initial assessment at school. Mm -hmm. And then I suddenly found that beautiful power in learning and in proving to my teachers no i'm actually not dumb i'm actually i can do that did you find that fire did you find that I, that I addiction so to speak to you yeah, want to be the I best i did in seventh and eighth grade i did i i did and it felt 
absolutely great. But it was in that educational um, era, area. The other part, just, you know, because of not being trained and, you know, um, not now I can, you know, speak my truth. There were adults that were broken. There were adults that was healed. There was adults that was uneducated. There were adults that were, um, that had not went through their own issues, you know, so, yeah. That's a problem. But having said that, once you actually start pouring petrol on that, that fire to prove yourself, that doesn't go away. I think if I look back, this must have been my first addiction. The addiction of finally so, finding approval yeah. and mm -hmm. love and you mm -hmm. keep going. And maybe that, that in addition to the PTSD later, maybe that mm -hmm. again was, was the fire that drove me forward to constantly learn, to constantly work hard. I became a workaholic before I mm -hmm. became an alcoholic. Did, mm -hmm. did the same features come through in your life? Um, yeah, I, I was on a quest of proving. Yeah. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then um, it it spilled over to um, I felt the need of people had to validate me and my feelings, and it worked against me as well as worked for me on some things. But it, uh, yeah, yeah. What were some of the the examples where it worked against you? Um, getting into toxic relationships with, 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 uh, um, the opposite sex that, um, that, classic, yeah, that, uh, I, I seeked approval. I, I, I never found myself worth until now. And I seeked to, um, them to accept me and to approve that I'm good enough. I'm worth, you know being treated, being respected when I was clearly worth it before I met them. Yeah. <laughs> you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. If you don't get that love at an early yes. stage, you're yeah. hunting for it. And you hunting, become yeah. the, the people pleaser. You're so right. Yes. And you put mm -hmm. everyone else needs before you. Yes. Mm -hmm. With hindsight, did you feel that you deserved love? Or were there some screwed up beliefs that actually, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes we ask ourselves, why me? Why me? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then your brain comes up with about 20 reasons. Why you? And were the same crappy reasons coming up for you? That I deserve love. Mm -hmm. Or that you don't in actual fact. Mm-hmm. Um, It, it was very hard for me to understand love. Um, it, was, it was very hard for me to understand love because um, of the foundation. I've always loved my biological mother, but yet it was undeniable she never loved me. And in one ear, I would have my adopted mother say, how could you still love someone that doesn't love you. And here I'm trying to pour all the love that I have in me to you. And I'm young and I'm saying, but this built in love for her. I used to look at her and 
think she was one of the most beautiful women in the world. And what was it about me that she couldn't caress me or she couldn't tell me or she couldn't lay eyes on me that I could feel that she loved me and she wanted me? I would always feel the opposite. So I was, you know, I was, I was very, um, that, that broken foundation of confused about love and deserving of love and um, the expectations of love was, uh, was very hard, was very challenging until I had to go on a very much mission and passion of finding myself and loving me despite of and getting that balance of everything that happened all the bad that I'm not responsible for that I held responsible for for many years of how what was going on with her and how she treated me and how she you know wasn't willing to accept me or as I wanted um, and as I do for my children fight for me you know, as a mother, no matter what you could say to me that the father wanted, it wouldn't be nothing that could tear me away from my child or a bond away from her. Yeah. So um, what, made I, I had a, what made that change happen? Obviously, there must have been either a series of events or an event Oh yeah, <laughs> it was a series. It was a series because I I used a lot of uh stuff and I I used a lot of different coping. As you were saying, I, my mind was just going into um memories of um I never I never did um alcohol or drugs, but I um searched for older men. I searched for um um relationships that I just felt that I was bound to that I I I I wanted until I I I had to go. I mean I, it was just like um either you go or you're gonna die in it. And 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 that had literally had to be the choices and the relationships that I was in for me to break away. And um I went through a series of working. I went through a series of whatever people thought that I should be doing, that's what I was doing. Preaching in the pulpit, um, being the, uh, uh, the overachiever and the outstanding MVP mother, you know, um, of starting at 15 now and having four by the time I'm 25. But it was what I knew that I was expecting from other from the from the world from the from from my vision from the outside looking in that they wouldn't expect nothing different so what I had to do was try to reach that regardless of whether it was um mentally anguish at times at times I was crying at times I was depressed at times I was filled with anxiety I found myself um when it was time for me to go to court for anything just breaking down because of the the um the healing from um justify justification and justice wasn't wasn't dealt with wasn't accepted because I was still wrestling with and not accepting that it was unjust of what had happened. 
I was I was just putting a Band-Aid on it and saying that, okay, it, you know, it, it happened, you'll be all right. I even could hear other people saying, well, you're, the older you get, the, 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 the more you should be able to get over it. Um, right. You know, what's done, what's done has been done. You know, um, you, uh, you, you, you were fortunate. I even was hearing in the back of my mind, you were fortunate to have parents. You know how many people went from foster home to foster home? And it was like, it was like until I stopped letting those thoughts or those other people's word minimize my pain, minimize my reality of accepting, hey, look, I'm a human being. You know, I'm a human being and this has happened. And I have to bear the truth. I have to accept it. And then I have to go from there and accept it and embrace. Now, what do I want? Mm -hmm. How can I love me and find my self-worth? Beautiful. Beautiful. Did you find role models? Did you find people in your life or did did other angels come into your life? Other angels did. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I had to embrace them and I had to learn some of the things that I did. Like I was saying about work, working at one time, I was working three jobs. One time I was working two jobs, going to school. Um, Like I said, I never got into drugs or alcohol, but I went into um, pacifying eating, um, not taking care of myself. I remember getting going into hospital for a, uh, a bad kidney infection that kept reoccurring, kept reoccurring because I'm just like, uh, my focus is my kids, my focus is my relationship, hell with myself, you know? And um, I remember in my 20s, the doctor coming in there with the kidney specialist saying, uh, uh, Kim, you know, you really don't want to go on dialysis the age that you are, but you're pushing it. You're pushing it. So, I mean, I, I, I had I experienced all of those things to be a witness or to inspire these things, suicidal thoughts. I'm, you know, because I, I, I haven't reached my um, uh, determination or willpower to invest in me and to say, Kim, what are you worth? You are worth more than what you're getting have you ever took time to invest in yourself and understand how love works that uh, reciprocated love works both ways and you're so deserving of that reciprocated love you don't have to just give 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 and not expect to be poured (laughs) you know um so you know, I had to find, you know, I had to go through a lot of those things and have those suicidal thoughts and have those moments that I had to break myself down and say, okay, um, let me learn something from this. Let me learn something from this. Yeah. Wow. What were your first steps that you took towards learning about this? I mean, for me, it was... It was being in rehab, uh, and it was there that I was forced to take part in sessions called feelings, where you actually explore your emotions and feelings, those kind of things that I was uh, uh, chronically trying to drown uh, because my feelings were not so nice. There was guilt, shame, and depression, and trauma, and those were my feelings, anger and resentment. That was my main driver. 
and it was it was nuts. And I I didn't know what these things really were. These were all these waves of of chemicals washing over me and through me, and they had me hostage. Uh, yeah. And it it took me rehab to actually start experiencing them without numbing them or trying to escape them and deal with them. And now that I actually got to know them, therefore I was then able to manage them better. Mm -hmm. How did that work with you? I mean, what were your steps to move forward? Um, well, I, I tell you this, I had lost myself too many times. This last time, finding my voice, was the first, finding the courage to speak out and say no was so empowering that it moved my life. Yeah. And I remember literally saying to myself and saying to God, because I'm, I'm just a firm believer that I literally said no more, no more toxic relationship, no more feeling that abuse is okay mentally spiritually physically emotionally um and i had to choose and i remember processing and taking the step to first say i can and i have the ability to make this choice because I had lived in such a silent cry. I had lived with this voice of letting the world speak for me, letting everyone else, you know, speak for me and say, don't get married no more. You know, you've been married like, well, how many times now? Three times. I'm making a joke of it. And, and, and until I started surviving, I said, you know, if I'm going to let this, the voice, the people speak for me, get over it. You're almost half, almost half of it. You should be, you should be over, over things that had, you had went through in your life, you know, um, in the ministry, you don't have to expose all that. You don't have to be that transparent until I started choosing and saying, no, you know what? I have the ability to make my truth be known. Because if it changed my life for the better and for me to find me and for me to have a voice of courage to inspire someone else that there were many, I wanted to give up, I wanted to give in, I wanted to just let people label me, then this is worth me having this ultimate life-changing process that I had to take the step and choose to do but it started with me. And once I made those three or four vital steps of choosing that choice and, and knowing that I had the ability to choose, I started literally saying, putting it into a priority uh, stage of every morning, I process myself and saying, it's important that I choose me. How am I going to live this day in my purpose and feel worthy of this purpose and go through the challenges and the obstacles that may come my way during this day, but not lose myself. 
I used to say, I, I, I remember putting something on there that once I gained a piece and found that piece, I fight just as hard to keep it. I fight just as hard to keep it. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that is a challenge that keeps going. That is a path that keeps going with every day. And it is, this path is as intoxicating, I find, as, as any drug, as any behavior that we previously chose to to numb ourselves or change our mind yes. you know yes. it is weird it is i love that i love when i grow <laughs> i i went up until uh, maybe a month two months ago again i got trapped in the i need to do everything for everyone work hard nose to the grindstone etc and I lost myself again a little bit there. And then the last month to, I put literally the principle of the, the five minute gardener into place in my life that I say, whatever happens, I'll do at least five minutes in each of those pillars that make me. And that might be five minutes of looking after my nutrition. Five minutes after of rehydration. Five minutes, literally in the garden. Five, right. uh, never more, never less. Um, but at least, well, okay, never less. Uh, if I want to do a bit more, okay, you can do a bit more in that in that group of things. But actually, be consistent every day. In other words, I'm trying to foster good habits. I'm trying to create habits by looking after myself and by actually doing that and living more intentionally i've made a lot of breakthroughs uh, in my health in my mental Mm. well-being over the last month or two and it's beautiful but i had forgotten that message i had forgotten I was, I was preaching, yet I was certainly not living it um, for mm-hmm. a little wee while. And, some, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Sometimes your life goes on detours and you come back. You got to get back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's beautiful. So right. it is, nowadays I look at it and say, okay, lesson learned. But right. I do no longer feel guilty and right. whip myself bloody because, oh, my God, I failed. I did not look after myself or, you know, uh, what about shame and guilt? Did those two evil twins, as I call them, did they play a role in your life? Most, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. My first child was when I was 15. Most definitely. Most definitely. And uh, my first sexual um, introduction was with a uh, extended family at 12 years old um, up until I was one in the adoptive family home. They didn't, it wasn't intentionally, they didn't know about it, but um, it was guilt. It was a lot of guilt and shame, very confusing because he was a groomer and uh, he was a, a, a sex offender that had did prison time. But because our family was so religious that um, he went to church with us one day and dedicated himself to Christ. And that was the, that was the door open. <laughs> I was, was about to say, open. brilliant. Yeah. New hunting <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. How did you so, do yeah. those things? I mean, so, 
I had to accept and recognize that that foundation, and it took it took half of you know half of my <laughs> years on earth. But I had to accept and 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 embrace that, um, and recognize that uh, um, that the um, intimacy, the sexual intimacy of of wasn't normal one, and um, what I wasn't responsible. It happened, and uh, you know. Um, it was a broken foundation that it was up to me to not leave broken. That was the key of embracing. It was, I had to find and accept. Once I found out, I had to, you know, grab it just like it grabbed me hard at 12 is that it was not normal. You were not responsible at 12. It was broken and you don't have to leave it broken. Yeah. I love it. You Absolutely. have the choice. You exactly. have the choice and you had the ability. And for years, I did not think that I had the ability because like you said, the shame and the guilt. And But I can recall now processes that God allowed me to have myself into. I was able to witness to, he, he called for me. He sent for me on his dying bed. This uncle that, uh, you know, um, the, the, the sexual act. Um, he had had cancer and I was in my twenties. I had my children and um, he had called for me and I went to his, you know, girlfriend's house and he was there where he was, you know, had hospice uh, around him. And um, the first time that I went, he was actually, because uh, I went there twice. The first time I went, it, it happened where he was um, in his right sounding mind because I had to, that day, I forgave him, and he could hear it in my voice, and I could hear the man that were sick, per, per se, because the way he, um, as soon as he seen my voice, my, my face, and heard my voice, he said, there's my baby. This was the same thing that he used to say to me all the time. And I remember saying to his name and saying, uncle, you know, I said, I forgive you. It's okay. And then I went into, have you got it right with God? And he said, yes. Yeah. 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 So it was a very powerful moment, but I still had to deal with the residue. Get this. Even with that forgiveness time and some people, and I'm blessed that, you know, I had that moment. Some people never did not get that moment with their, um, the, the, the victims got their moments with, with the people that had victimized them. I did, but I still had to go through the residue because I remember going through toxic relationships, still having nightmares, still being haunted with certain touches would come back in memory that he had did at 12 years old that I had to face and I had to accept and I had to ask God to say, look, this next time, I might be the black Elizabeth Taylor and we'll make a joke about it, but I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep doing it until I get it right. <laughs> but um, this next time, this last time, uh, I'm going to make sure that I will be healed and it will be transparent enough that that man that husband that will come into my life will be understanding 
will feel, will, will, will embrace the, the hurt and the pain that I had been through, that I had had to get healed from and build that foundation of, will be as gentle as can be and understand that it's still a part of me and will always be a part of me because that was the initial start. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that is, of course, what happens when you transform. When you yes. change, you become a new being, and therefore you, your vibes change. The way you hold yourself, the way you mm -hmm. you conduct yourself, the nonverbal language, everything changes. And with yes. that, you you without knowing, push those people away that are predators because they suddenly yes. realize, hang on, oh, they, oh. Yes. Uh, she actually uh, will not will not accept your bullshit, and you will yes. attract those men or those partners. If 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 yes. whatever whatever your conviction is, uh, you will yes. attract those partners in your life and those people in your life that force, that share your convictions, that share your beliefs, and right. that empower you further. Yes. So it You're is absolutely right. Because that transformation, I see it, and I'm living that now in my season. Yeah, before that last relationship that I was telling you about, and that wasn't not even two years ago, um, it was a pattern of th that transformation hadn't came where I was attracting what I felt inside and what I had, I you know was was sending out. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. Oh, beautiful. I mean, you are now going out there and are spreading the word. You're sharing yeah. your story to make a difference uh, to yeah. others, to yes. actually plant that seed that it is okay to speak out. It is okay to not be okay. It is okay to seek help, to, to yes. try to get out. Are you doing uh, that? In which forums are you doing that nowadays? I speak publicly. I, I do physical events, um, you know, mentoring. So, and then, you know, <laughs> it, my occupation has me <laughs> with the public all the time. So, uh, I, I, you know, I live this life. And then, you know, as we talked about before, before we came on air, is, uh, you know, I am, uh, I'm very passionate on, um, living this at home. I'm now a mother of four adult children and one minor. And so I, I, I break in generational curses. I, and I'm loving it. I, I, I'm really loving it. And I, and I have the strongest relationship with, uh, with, 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 with the savior than I've ever had in my whole life. And I'm not behind the pulpit. It's about my relationship. It's about who I connect with yeah. every day. And it's a choice that I do, like you were saying, consistently. I build on it. Yeah. Do you do you speak also in church? Do you, I know you're a very, very, very religious uh, woman. Do you actually uh, go out there and literally speak out within the church about your experiences? When I'm invited. Okay. <laughs> yes yes when i'm invited i have but um uh and we're getting better but uh, i come from the era and i'll be 49 next month so um 
but coming from the generation era and um, culture, and we're getting better. We're not getting, I would like for us to get even more better than one, but being transparent and talking about society issues as as boldly as I as I talk sometimes is not is not embraced. Um, I speak against <laughs> physical abuse um, because of image, because of uh, people, you know, um, you know, wants an image to be um, more importantly than what is actually what they're living in. I and I I believe the contrary. Um, it's not about an image. It's not even about you. Don't even have to give me a title. I want to have the truth and be totally transparent to help, to inspire. Because at the end of the day, if I'm not living it, then everything else is in, is in vain, you know? That's so true. And we know, for example, if you look at alcoholics, uh, people who definitely fit the description of alcohol abuse disorder, 95% of them will live in a world of denial. They will look you in the eyes and they actually even most of them or most of their brain believes uh, what mm -hmm. they are saying. There is nothing wrong with me. And right. it's equally that not everyone is ready to face their trauma. Not everyone is ready to to deal with what has occurred to them in the past. Right. And maybe they will never be ready. Right. Regrettably, my mum has gone through heaps of trauma in her life. And later on, I wanted to, to address that with her and wanted to find out how she felt as a younger woman. What did she experience? And she completely blocked everything. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So there was, she, and she died without actually addressing any of those things that made her essentially quite a toxic woman and a bitter mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. And I can see that now, unfortunately, then, however much I try to understand things, the, the toxic personality was still overpowering uh, mm -hmm. everything else. And, and that's just hard. Yes, I think, it is. So I, I, I very much think what you're doing is really, really fantastic. Some and, and same here. I mean, that's why I do this show. That's why I speak out. But mm -hmm. are we both not preaching to the converted? Are we both not actually talking to those people who already got the news? How do we do we open the eyes of those people who are still hiding behind their white picket fence or behind their prayer book in church? Right, or, right. Well, because we just have to continue to speak out. It'll get to them one way or another, but you're absolutely right. Um, I had my adopted mother passed away during Easter and um, I, I've, I, I'm, God's timing is, the, you know, it's the perfect timing, even though I miss her, miss her very much. And, and I'm, we, we're all grieving in our own way. But um, I remember, um, going to the hospital and visiting her. And, and she had said, uh, because my book, you know, will be a year in August. And she said, I heard you wrote a book. <laughs> I said, and you know, she's up there and she would have been 88 this, she would have been 88 this year. And I said, uh, yeah. She said, well, I hope you feel better. I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh. But I was able, <laughs> I know, right? So, but I was able to talk 
called her because I was wanting her to, and she opened the door with, um, she had always portrayed and she had this very controlling and it went from, I could see from her siblings because she was the oldest of all of them, very controlling, very much in that generational where what goes on in the home stays in the home. You don't want your image to look like you're, uh, and then one end she's telling me, Kimmy, whatever you do, Kim, she, my adopted dad called me Kimmy. She said, well, Kim, whatever you do, you, you, you tell the truth. But then on the other end, she'll say, people are nosy. When we go out there, you may not look like us because see, I'm, I'm much browner than them. They were very, they were very uh, light in color. And she said, you may not look like us, but people are nosy. We're staying, we're, we're living in a hometown where my biological parents are there. My, my biological siblings are there. She says, but you don't, when they come to you and they ask you anything, you just say that I'm your mama and he's your daddy. Okay. So I'm like, I'm torn. And so that's why I said with the silent cry, I was so glad that I got the courage. And that's where I get to being bold to inspire people that it may be a gradual step. Like you said, you may not be ready to process to be able to boldly, but if you could take one step at a time and first accept the, yes. the brokenness, the, 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 the addiction, the, 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 you know, um, the, 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 the facade for years, the hiding, the guilt, the shame, accept and embrace that, you know, there's a, there's another life, right? Waiting, ready for you. If you would only see that you can make that choice for yourself, you know? So I said to her, um, you know, when she has said, well, it seemed like you didn't love me. And I said, mom, are you ready? I said, are you ready to listen? And this was in her hospital. This was before she, this was this year before she passed away. And she said, okay, okay. So it was just the ultimate time, like you said. But um, I said to her, I said, are you ready? And she said, yeah. I said, I want you to listen to me. I said, I just need you to listen at me, please, this time. And she said, okay. I said, mom, I said, I love you. We'll always love you. That would never stop. I said, but you have to understand this. You did not get me at a child where I did not know my parents, which is very, very important. You would never accept that. You did not get me as a baby where I had dealt with for years, I wished. And this is, I exposed this to her because I don't think I never exposed it to her in that truth, in that heart. I said to her, I had wished many years that you and Daddy Bill had got me from an infant so I wouldn't have hurt so much, that I didn't have to deal with rejection so much, that I wouldn't have to deal with the abandonment issues so much, that I came to you all as a baby, that that day that you told me that my dad called you and said to come down here to see this new baby, this daughter that they had and help name her, that you would have took me so that I could have loved you the way you wanted me to love you. But it did not happen that way. So if you could just listen to me now, that when you took me, I loved my mother and father, and that will never stop. But mama, listen, I love you and will always love you. It's a difference. And do you know what, Stefan? She just looked at me. She had tears in her eyes and she said, okay. So that was enough for me. Yeah, it was enough for me. And that was baby. our last deep conversa conversation. 
and maybe it was just beautiful because it also gave her a closure. It gave yeah. her answers to questions that must have been nagging in her because obviously they were her own needs. There was the need to, to feel loved, to, yes. to you know, this maybe this maybe uh, crazy belief system that was in her, that was yeah. handed down through generations to her, through her. And she had a child and she never experienced. And, you know, she I remember she did. She had a miscarriage and she could never have children of her own. But like you said, this maybe gave her closure that this yeah. expectation and acceptance could have never came from this child. But yet she was still blessed to have a child that she raised yeah <sighs> and, and I, you know and i'm so I'm so glad because you know with the you before she passed away you know um and uh you know going to her funeral and still with the generational um i done ruffled a lot of feathers because i told my truth in my book <laughs> so i was an outcast at the funeral so um but i i i i victorious uh even through the hurt uh, uh sat there and uh dealt with everything at her funeral um and um let her brother have his way of however he wanted it and remember reminiscing in my mind that um it's it's a um tribute that I had read at the funeral that he didn't know nothing about but it was read thank god it was read but um it was a memory that the bathtub thing that I I started really crying because had it not been for her and had it not been for my father, the, the, the bad outweighed the good because her saying that I was frail and timid, they made me totally the opposite. Look at the woman that I am today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not at all frail and timid. <laughs> and what a transformation it is. Yes. And, yes. I mean, and that shows us the importance of an honest discussion, to be truly open and authentic and, and actually address those things that happened in the past. It is, we often try to, to numb ourselves and try to forget those mm -hmm. things, yet mm -hmm. there is an incredible power in actually talking about those things and talking about those things in with a with a true honesty with that i mean whenever you look at a big row a big fight in a relationship uh, your own mind always changes it a little bit towards well maybe you being more the victim uh yeah. and maybe putting down the, the your contribution to whatever has caused that fight so therefore there's a good saying there um it was his story, her story, and the truth. And then the truth, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right, so, right. And that right. is the same when it comes to, to things that, in your, that happened in your past. Mm -hmm. I, that might be mental health problems or there might be anything else, trauma that you've experienced. It's sometimes so, so powerful to give your side of the story and then let the other person give, give their side yeah, exactly. of the story. Because feeling like your truth doesn't matter or your story doesn't matter. It's just more detri 
detrimental to you and your process and your progress in life than anything. And that's where I had found, and I found out once I started keep applying this truth and this courage in one area to another, I kept, as you were talking about habit becomes habit, I kept applying it to my other areas, my other areas, my other areas, my raising my children, applying the same guideline, the truth, the authenticness, the, 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 the conversations that need to be need to be, uh, you know, uh, said and, um, shared, um, you know, so, and, 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 and it's helped my growth, as you were saying, growing as, uh, I see myself going in different seasons in my life and in the different levels and different occupations that I, I, I've, I've learned that, uh, the boldness and the courageousness can, that transformation transformation can inspire and and help even on your work for even in in your work sector even with the co-workers and so because like you said everyone's not at that stage and everybody's with everybody if it, it just takes that one person sometimes it just takes you to accept and start that transformation process and people start seeing it and want that feeling too you know exactly yeah. You're empowering by yes. uh, by living. And yes. to a certain degree, we all have made mistakes in the past. And yes. that's where you can make living amends. Uh, yes. Making amends is, is a powerful principle in the 12-step system. And it is actually a very beautiful, beautiful principle because ultimately you have fucked up. You have done stupid things. Mm-hmm. bad things sometimes illegal things that was the past and mm-hmm. yes you can beat yourself up for it or you can say actually um i have been treating in the past maybe that waitress in a really mean way mm-hmm. now you will you cannot go back and find that waitress that was 20 years ago in a different country for crying out loud mm-hmm. but you can make a point of nowadays treating the cleaner as as well as the CEO of the company. Treat right. everyone with the respect that you maybe wish to have. Right. Now that is l- making living amends. And right. that is beautiful. That right. is suddenly where you show integrity. And integrity mm-hmm. is, is defined by doing the right thing when no one is watching. Right. And that is beautiful. And that is that you're laying little foundations mm-hmm. and every day you put another little bit of a foundation down and very quickly you will find that the ground on which you walk is getting firmer and more solid mm-hmm. and seemingly mm-hmm. these stones start not longer being pebbles, but actually start to grow together. And mm-hmm. the, the, this foundation just gets stronger and stronger. And that's what I experience. And that's even when I then get dark thoughts reappearing even when i get you know wake up at four o'clock in the morning and you get the worst of stefan over the last 30 years (laughs) condensed into you know a little dream and you think of crying out loud where's that coming from Mm -hmm. i can deal with that easier Mm -hmm. because i know that i do so many times nowadays make the right choice 
do the right uh, thing. To say that. Yeah, <laughs> so so that's how I cope. Yeah, that's exactly. how I was going to say. I'd go, I say, um, when I get in that vulnerable moment and that disappointing yeah. era of Kim, Lord, have mercy. Look at the time you wasted. Now look at your credit report. <laughs> no, no, you know, and, uh, you know, you, you got this plan to come back. But boy, I tell you, you know, you know, those choices that you made, you know, not thinking about yourself, but not thinking about your future or, you know, and here's the consequences. Like you said, I think about I always have to pour in my own self the good choices I made. Yeah. I say, now every now every choice that I made wasn't bad. Though so I made some good ass choices, and then I started laughing. And I said, man, that, when I <laughs> walked into that investment, and when I I, I paid that off, and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and like you said, it it, it, it starts building. You know, my, and I, and I, and I, I, I do my, sometimes when it's appropriate, I do my sessions as I'm, you know, um, working with the public. Sometimes I'll say that too. I said, you know, always remind yourself and think about every decision that you made, even with the bad decisions, but every decision that you'd made in life wasn't a fucked up one. Yep. Embrace those good ones. And exactly. <laughs> embrace those good ones. And yeah. celebrate them. Celebrate yes, it, yes, celebrate it. Actually, yeah. to, to had, say, wow, yes. I've, I've eaten something yes. healthy now. Woo, well done. Yes. Well you done. know, we as human beings, we have not, and, I, and I'm starting to get that. Let me tell you, I'm a dancer, so, and I love music, but uh, I would dance anywhere. So <laughs> whenever I, if we ever meet, you're going to say, you're going to see my little celebration dance, right? Okay. <laughs> and, That's uh, like, you're on. Like, Come you're on, on. <laughs> but uh but um I, I I had to embrace that and I and I love that feeling and I say you know um I go beyond encouraging myself I also celebrate me uh, I celebrate me I celebrate the life that I'm able to have and choose to have in what I can do for us and for me you know you know, and like I said, it starts every day. The only way and the way that I give the best of my children and the best of my grandchildren and the best of my coworkers and the best of anybody, because I don't know who I'm going to meet on the street or who I'm going to talk to over the phone or who I'm going to even email. I, I My day changes every day. But that giving myself that ultimate break in the very beginning of investing in me and giving the gift, the best gift that I could give was choosing me in the yeah. very beginning when I open my eyes and connect with God and thanking him and be gra grateful for the opportunity for this day yeah. is that I'm able to, I'm able to now, you know, see a clearer vision and endure this journey even better than I have in the past because I take that step of, investing in me, celebrating me, and giving the best of myself to me first so that everyone else can get the best of me. They, they wouldn't be able to, I, you know, I said, even with my children, when I put them first, they, it, it's no way they could have got the best Kim. Now, yeah. the adult children and the, and the minor is getting the best of me because I have found the love for Kim. I have found the self-worth for Kim. Yeah. 
I have chose Kim. So, and ultimately now they're getting the best of the version of Kim for Kim, not for no one else, but for Kim. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Kim. Wow. You're an amazing woman. No two ways around it. And the power and the passion that, that speaks from you is just intoxicating. And <laughs> I hope, I hope you're going to be so infectious in in your movement in your going out I there so too. Well, exactly. I hope so too. the more yes, lives yes. we can touch and the more seeds yes. we can plant to say it's okay not to be okay and let's mm -hmm. let's talk about it and let's actually go out there and let's make this yes. world a better place uh this is and it starts with us it's you, you, and it's a process it's not that and i want the listeners to hear it's not that my because you know i have this voice I, this is me every day but it's not that it is every day is perfect because there's no it's, it, i have challenges i have four adult children and a minor i am almost 49 years old we we me and that minor have to take naps i tell her she calls me mama and the oldest one starts laughing i said what else the hell is she gonna call me but mama there's an old name but i had her 42 so <laughs> y'all get with the program but um <laughs> you know challenges comes um you know, I, I had to go through a, 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 a ordeal financially because I'm now a single single woman. You know, I work and, and you know, my credit, I, I got to start back from the bottom and help build my credit score up and everything like that. And I'm trying to build a little castle for me and my, 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 my many because my oldest kids have their own life that they have to live. And I said, I'm not, I, I had what you said. It starts with me first. I said, I choose not to wait for the castle to be given to me from a king, I, I got to work on my castle now. I like <laughs> I'm it. I'm to work like on it. my castle now. So, and what I'm saying is, it's not like things go perfect in my life, like challenges don't come. I remember getting um, a almost $6,000 cut in my salary because I chose um, to inspire and to be a speaker than be a supervisor at uh at a position that i had been on for a while and when they gave me that six thousand dollar cut i was like god what am i gonna do now you know so but the process when like you said when you form and you choose this route to go be determined enough to be consistent and have this practice of habit becomes habit because when these challenges come and these issues come you'll be able to go through them more settled more with peace more with uh um integrity more with uh and 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 it'll build your character i like the title of my book because i had to find that during the journeys and the challenges and the, and the and the situations that I was in in my life had built my essence, had built my epitome, had built and created who I am. And, and I'm still building it at it. It's not over until it's over. <laughs> it's not over until it's over. I'm still building. <laughs> girl, you have got another 50 like years that, to go. I like that diamond. It's, 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 it, I still get chiseled. <laughs> <laughs> and that's beautiful. And you talk about yeah. your book. What is the name of your book? It's called The Epitome of Kimmy. Yeah. Epitome of Kimmy. Yes. Where can people get that? 
It's um, on Amazon and Goodreads. And um, I have a beautiful website that you'll be able to see myself and um, um, read my background and get to see my family, get to see my four, four adult children and my minor and my, uh, I have now six grandchildren. Five is on there right now. The one that Layla, Princess Layla arrived um, after the 4th of July. So, and um, there you'll see the book cover. It's um, a little brown skinned five-year-old little girl. That was the only picture that I have. Well, that's the first picture that I have of in my adopted parents' home. In my biological parents' home, I have no pictures. I have no infant pictures. I have no pictures with them. So I thought it was, uh, I thought it was more beneficial to start my story with a picture that I could claim that was one of my first given to me, which is I was five years old. And guess what, listeners, I love on that five-year-old. She's a part of me, but she's not a broken little girl. She's a healed young woman, but she's a part of me. Yeah. Wow. Brilliant. And what is your website? <laughs> It's www Kimberly and Bell and with the e <laughs> dot com. Yeah, brilliant. Yes. Guys, look down yes. there into the description of the YouTube uh, video or of the podcast. It's all in there. And uh, Kimberly, you're an amazing woman. I can't wait Thank to you. see how you transform further and how else you <laughs> will touch the lives of others. Uh, thank you so much for being who you are, who the thank new you. you who is Thank speaking you. out to, to help other women get through their intergenerational conflict and through their challenges in their lives. Yes. There is, uh, I'm, I, I am so honored that you were on my show. Mm -hmm. Thank you so wow. much for coming along. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for the blessing. I appreciate oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. Bye.